Welcome to Mount Isa Birth Stories. This is a podcast for women who have birthed in Mount Isa to share their stories. We hope these conversations can help our fellow pregnant sisters feel more prepared for their birthing time. If you would like to share yours, please contact us on social media at Mount Isa Birth Stories. There is strictly no naming of our local nurses, midwives and doctors. Please note nothing in these episodes is to be taken as medical advice. Please see your healthcare provider if you have any medical concerns. Enjoy the episode. In this episode, we have midwife Sarah sharing her wisdom and knowledge. She sheds light on some of the issues women who birth in Australia face, and she also goes into detail about why having a known midwife can literally save lives and how blessed we are as a community that our health service provides this wonderful option for women. I hope you enjoy our chat. So today we've got Sarah joining us, and she is a midwife, and she's currently practicing in the midwife group practice model of care yeah model of care um so how did you want to talk to us about what like a mgp midwife group practice is and like what is that and like continuity of care and all of that because i think some people we've we've been talking about on the podcast um like did you have a non-midwife and perhaps some listeners aren't aware of why it is important to have a non-midwife and what does that have to do with anything so um yeah So there is um, sort of like different models of care is what we call them um, in maternity care. And that could be either you go um, and see your GP sometimes and sometimes you go to the hospital. That's known as shared care. Um, But continuity means that you're seeing the same person, whether that's your obstetrician or your midwife, throughout the um, entirety of your pregnancy. They're there for you for your birth and then... um, depending on the model in the weeks um, after your birth as well. Okay, cool. So um, midwifery group practice, we usually call it MGP, uh-huh. um, means that you have been allocated um, a known midwife and they are supported also by a team of midwives. So you ultimately have access to a midwife 24 hours a day if you need one, awesome. which is really great. And usually um, you're in contact with them via text or via phone calls. Yeah. Um, and then they also have obviously the backup of the hospital yeah. um, because it is still a hospital run program and women still birth at the hospital yeah. um, for our particular group practice. And I think for most in um, hospitals, we do try and see women quite early in their pregnancy and try and do their booking in appointment, which is the appointment where you get to sort of um, talk about your health history, your previous pregnancies and births and things like that um and then for six weeks after you've had your baby as well for some hospitals it's just two weeks but here um in Mount Isa it's six which is so great especially for this population of women as well there's so many young women here having babies who um are away from their families and their communities because their partners are here for work and things like that so to have that um extra support um, during your pregnancy, but then afterwards as well is really great. Yeah. Awesome. There is the option for your midwife to come and see you at home if that's what you feel comfortable with. And mm-hmm. uh, to be honest, I rarely had a woman say no, because yeah. especially if you've got other kids, like trying to drag them out and yeah. get them to sit in a hospital room. Um, yeah, it's not, it must not be ideal. so nice for you too as a midwife to watch a woman go, even if it's a subsequent baby, to watch her like grow, birth the baby, and then see her in the postpartum for that amount of time. It must be nice to really... It really is. So um, for all the benefits that it has for women, which we'll go into soon, but there's benefits for midwives as well. Like Mm -hmm. you 
form really like strong connections with the women and the families that you're working with, especially if you're yeah. like meeting their kids and their pets and their partner yeah. when, when you go to see them at home. And then yes. um, even just to see like you get to be there for them at their birth, which um, obviously is a like a really important time as well. And it's yeah. really amazing as a midwife to sort of see how that woman has developed and how mm. she then goes on to birth her baby yeah. um and then in the weeks afterwards as well like we all know that the, the first week especially after you have a baby it's very challenging and to have someone there especially come and see you at home and support you at home and support you through that time yeah. and then you see that family's growth like yeah. along those six weeks as well as like it's very um do you find it easier yeah, really rewarding yeah do you find it easier doing postpartum stuff when you know the woman, her personality, her history, like you're not just walking into a stranger's house and of a woman who's just had a baby. Like it must be nice to kind of maneuver your care in a way to kind of suit each woman because you do know her so well and you've seen her in birth. And Well, that's kind of the benefits of um, like having your own midwife mm-hmm. um, throughout your whole pregnancy because then especially when it comes to birth, um, women, you know what sort of uh, – like birth and experience this woman wants and you know what things are important to her Mm -hmm. you know about her previous challenges and um like you ultimately it's tailored care yeah you're treating the woman as an individual you're not sort of um the woman's not just going through the hospital system and seeing someone different every time and just Mm -hmm. receiving like cookie cutter kind of like guideline based care because um like really where does she sit within that model herself so um you get to see the woman as an individual and you also especially because you know how her birth has gone the way a baby's born and the interventions or lack of interventions that you've had during your birth and your labor have um flow-on effects for the Mm. postnatal period and especially for breastfeeding as well so if you're aware of the um what that woman experienced for her birth and what that baby went through as well you know how to um or you know what to expect in in the days and weeks following as well yeah that this is a very messed up comparison but when I was doing training once we had um we all had to go it was in Townsville it wasn't here um there was a really horrible accident with this man and he had passed away but this training was we all went there to this big amphitheater and we had the ambulance we seen the footage of the accident like because they the thing was, we, they wanted us to see what this person went through. We're only seeing them when they come into the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the car accident, the impact. Um, we Then we had the ambulance people come and talk to us about what it was like responding to it and what they did to him. And then, then we had the ED, like, doctor, like the big, I don't, I can't remember, like, the title, but he was the big doctor come and talk to us as well. And then we it went all the way to, like, the doctor that did the autopsy. <laughs> so this is very opposite to birth. But it was just so fascinating because all you're seeing in the area I was working was was like this small little slice and we had no idea what the impact was like and what that person had gone through. This is probably going to get deleted out because it's pretty... No, but it's a really important comparison, it, actually, because mm. especially when, um, like, when you have your own midwife group, mm-hmm. practice midwife, they are your sort of like um they go on to um talk to a a wider team of healthcare professionals but Mm -hmm. that midwife still knows you as an individual and is better is able to get like more specific care that's tailored to you as well because they other healthcare professionals might have um like recommendations that you know actually isn't really not in line with what the woman wants yeah. or might not necessarily be beneficial for her in the long term. Yeah. Um, this, this is just one example, but especially like 
um, like nurses and pediatricians who are looking after um, sort of maybe unwell babies or babies who aren't putting on so much weight or babies who are jaundice or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time formula is very quickly recommended and formula in a bottle is recommended but if that woman wants to breastfeed if she's had previous breastfeeding challenges in the past that actually can um like have a really big implication on that woman and that baby's breastfeeding journey Mm -hmm. and there is other ways around it yes formula with the bottle is like it's a very it's a quick fix it it might help to solve Mm -hmm. the problem that is presented to us right now but Mm -hmm. I think um what I've learned especially as a midwife it's not just about pregnancy, birth, and the immediate postnatal period. The health of the woman and the health of that baby is for their entire lives. Yeah. So you want to be um, coming with like a holistic approach, which like provides care and mm-hmm. things like that that have um, benefits for the long term as well. Yeah, not just thinking about meeting some target on a piece of paper. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. I suppose your job is really like interpreting almost all this information from the doctor and then trying to like work it in a way that works with that woman. And yeah, exactly. Um, Which um, can be really challenging for women who um, are just, who have like um, routine care through the hospital system where mm. they're seeing someone different every time mm. that no one's necessarily telling them where to find like good quality, like accurate information. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very trusting on um, the recommendations of someone who doesn't necessarily know them. And it's just like um, giving them the routine sort of care, which might not necessarily be of the most benefit to that woman and that baby. Um, Midwifery group practice and having a known midwife is so beneficial because Mm. you, I don't give the same information to all women. Some women are really knowledge hungry and um, I really vibe with them because yeah. like I love talking about yeah. everything pregnancy and birth related but I, yeah. I'm also the same I'll really go out of my way to find um, really good resources for them yeah, so instead of right. like women are going to go to google if they want to know something yeah. but it, that's mm-hmm. not all um, like obviously there's different quality and yeah. those sorts of things out there as well and you don't necessarily know what is the right information there's a lot of conflicting information yeah. so um mm-hmm. You sort of like tailor the um, information that you provide women based on, yeah, what is important for them and what they want to know. Some women come in and they're very adamant that they want certain things and Mm -hmm. some are very open and go with the flow. But like knowledge is power. Like you need to be informed. Mm -hmm. Therefore, when a decision comes up, you have the information and um, Mm -hmm. you can make a decision that is like – yeah. Right. beneficial for you and your baby and not necessarily just because someone's recommended it to you yeah yeah I think it's too just that our society I think we're coming out of it slowly but that we're all so trusting of a stranger um if they're a doctor I'm not smashing doctors as brilliant doctors out there but um I think some women are like if you're a doctor and you say something to me I accept that no matter what I'm not going to look anywhere else like 100% agree and that information might suit some women but perhaps it's not ideal for you and you don't know what path you're going down by accepting that recommendation and you're not given alternatives. So yeah, if you don't know your options, you really don't have any. Yeah, exactly. It's a very, it is a very like socially constructed thing that we have Mm. so much faith in, in doctors. Um, And I think it's, like a quite historical thing and we are sort of coming out of that because there are so many other great healthcare professionals Mm -hmm. um, and other avenues as well that we can, get health advice from um but especially 
I think when it comes to pregnancy and birth, doctors are amazing, but they're experts in when things go wrong Mm -hmm. and they're they're surgeons. Mm -hmm. They know how to deal with complications. Mm -hmm. So that's what they feel comfortable with and that's what they know. And that's what you want them to know. That's when you want them there. But when a woman, um, like pregnancy is a normal thing that our body does Mm -hmm. and our bodies were made to do this. They're made to grow babies and they're made to birth our babies and they're made to feed our babies. And midwives are I guess sort of like the gatekeepers of of natural birth and we actually are having to work really really hard to sort of um preserve Mm -hmm. that um because there has been so many um like it's coming to generations now of like intervention in birth and um where the over medicalization and things like that Mm -hmm. um that we are starting to lose that knowledge but not lose that ability and i think that's what midwives are sort of like like so important for to remind women that actually no we're made to do this and like giving them the right information in order to um like support that process as well yeah yeah i think that's where it gets confusing for people who don't know much about healthcare and maternity care like you see if you went to theater or an emergency department the doctor's going to be pretty knowledgeable and then you go to the, in the same hospital you go to the maternity ward but it's a completely different setting like this isn't unwell people doctors are not above the midwives like midwifery is its own domain you know what I mean you're specializing it's like experts in normal birth is that like the thing hey yeah yeah and the obstetricians are there to save lives and often the midwives will pick that up like it's not yeah and I think what mm. people don't really like recognize as well like if you like the different models of care in regards to if you choose to have obstetric led care like you've hired your own doctor mm-hmm. every time you see that doctor um your appointments they're going to look at all like your physical well-being mm-hmm. so how is the baby growing they might do a scan um it's sort of all like the very like black and white yeah but like midwifery is so um it comes a lot it comes from a holistic sort of um, approach. And look, some of my appointments will be for like one or two hours and it's because it's based off the needs of the woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Pregnancy is like a huge, like transformational time in a woman's life. So Mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff comes up during that time as well. And I think like mental health is so, so important. I think as a midwifery group practice midwife, that's, um, like something that I really, really treasure is being able to monitor a woman's mental health. Yeah. Like, you know, when that woman is not okay. Yeah. Like as soon as you walk in, you're like, you're not yeah, okay today. So like, nice. let's talk about this. And, yeah. um, and also those appointments are so much around like, yeah, informing women. Mm-hmm. Um, when some women feel in their doctor's appointments, they're very short and they sort of get dismissed if they have any questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that must feel – it really must be a um, hard job for you too to, like, just be building those relationships and rapport because you have to have good rapport for a woman to feel comfortable enough to say, yeah, I'm not doing okay. Like, and mm. I suppose that's where you coming into a house, spending as much time as possible is so important to yeah. really provide that really great care. Yeah, it's based off the women's needs really. Yeah, yeah. Like some women are absolutely fine. Some women yeah, like, they're like, they've got a normal low-risk pregnancy. Yeah. Maybe it's their second or third child. And after like 15 minutes, I'm kind of like, is there anything else we need yeah. to cover? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, I'm good. And we're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I remember that, you know, that little um, quote, it's like hiring an obstetrician for a low-risk normal birth is like going to the dentist to get your teeth brushed like kind of saying like it's a bit of overkill sometimes and our first baby um 
but I think back then I was more really medical about the whole thing and more clinical, like all that stuff. And so in my head, I was like, well, of course I'm going to get the private GP. Like that must be the best. Like I that think was what, what I thought. Yeah, what most people, um, they want someone they know. And yeah. because like having a known midwife is something we're we're pushing for to grow this model of care it's not available to everyone it's actually available to not very many women at all um so i think women would rather choose to have someone they know see them all the time and if their only option is for it to be an obstetrician or their gp then that's what they're going to go for um which is totally understandable but also i think um women need to be aware as well even if you do hire a private obstetrician they're not going to look after you during your labor yeah midwives are going to be there with you whoever's on and your obstetrician will come in and (laughs) be there with you when your baby is being born but yeah yeah. do you think sometimes the expectation of um like families and mothers and stuff is if a doctor comes into the room and you've hired them you want them to be like doing something like i think if people could maybe understand that when the process is going well the best thing is to leave the mum alone and create a great environment but then I feel like some people might think, well, what are you doing? We're paying you. Why are you just sitting there? Like, <laughs> exactly. And then the doctor might feel really useless because yeah. he's or she is just like, well, I've got to do something. I was never trained to sit on my hands. And I'm like, if, if people could understand just the amazingness of having a health practitioner that will just let that unfold, like they are worth their weight in gold, even though it looks like they're just sitting there, like they're doing so much more than just sitting there. Like Exactly. Yeah. I think like people feel like they pay their doctor to deliver their baby when mm. – I'm like so glad that we're kind of moving away from that analogy because women birth their babies and like if they need help, like, yes, people should step in and help them. But Uh really, this is the time that they should be supported to come into their power. And I think that's what is so great about having um, like a known midwife because Mm -hmm. women feel so comfortable in that space and they feel comfortable and well prepared to like step up to that role. Like when um, like when it's their time, like women shouldn't feel like they need to rely on other people to birth their babies Mm, mm -hmm. um I think yeah I feel like um it's when you don't know the midwife and then if if you completely don't even like you get the bad vibe off them and you're in labor I completely understand why some women are just like I need out of this experience I need to I cannot be this vulnerable and go this wild in front of this person who I'm really not gelling with they're they're kind of being mean to me um or just rude and I'm like how could you get naked and just like grow like yell a baby out out. how could you do that around someone that's mean and so I completely understand and then not to even mention some of the like intervention that needs to happen, inductions, mm. whatever. I completely understand why you would want to just be like, I need to check out. I need to get an epidural. I don't care how the baby comes out now. Like, because they completely don't feel safe. Whereas if they had a caring, loving midwife or a caring, loving obstetrician or whoever doula around, like you just feel safer to let go and let that oxytocin, you know, take off. Exactly. Like, and mm. you like, birth is hormonal. If you don't feel like warm safe and secure you're not going to release the right hormones that help labor progress smoothly and help you birth your baby um so if you're feeling vulnerable or scared or like maybe like not so comfortable around these people that's when like adrenaline and cortisol come into play it slows down your labor and then Mm -hmm. that's when people feel like intervention like needs to happen because oh things aren't progressing as they should when really it's just because the environment's not right or you know the people around you are not um bringing Mm. what they should 
And do you think, I remember listening to this thing once and they were saying how some women feel like failures when they're in labor, everything's going well, then it all slows down, then shit hits the fan after that. Like it's just intervention after intervention. And she said, sometimes to these mothers, it's nice to say your body did what it wanted to do. Like it felt unsafe. So Mm. it slowed the process down. Like your body worked perfectly. Exactly. It didn't work. It didn't break down when it got to the hospital. Your body was like, I don't feel safe. I'm slowing down. I'm going to wait until these people leave and then the baby's going to come out. Yeah. And I thought that's such a nice way to spin it. Like you didn't just slow down and stop. Your body did what it was meant to do. It's not meant to respond to that well. Yeah. I tell uh, like, like all women this when, um, we're starting to prepare for their births it's we're still mammals like um if an animal is out in the wild and it's in labor if it doesn't feel like that environment is safe that labor will stop because they're protecting their baby they don't want to birth a baby in an environment that's not safe and if that's like if fear and anxiety come in um to play during labor and birth well things are going to stop because you feel like this is not a safe environment for me to birth my baby in and then the, the sad thing is that's when that those seeds of like self-doubt and um things come into play and like mm-hmm. condescending kind of comments from healthcare professionals like oh you've you know like mm-hmm. things aren't really progressing as they as they should be like things are, are happening really slowly or you know you should have had your baby by now when really like no there's nothing wrong with your body it's working yeah. exactly as it should yeah amazing and this isn't to like when you talk about uh, known midwife being important this is classed as like top-notch evidence-based stuff isn't it like when it comes to yeah so research. it's known as the gold standard level of care uh-huh. um and gold standard just pretty much means that it's widely recognized as the highest like quality of care or what is recommended okay yeah. um cool what does the like so what does the world health organization say like they kind of set the scene don't they of like this is they're like the authority and globally as well globally yeah Yeah. cool so what do they reckon about continuity of care and having that known midwife like what are the benefits and whatnot okay so they say that um having a known midwife during your pregnancy and birth um Mm. women are 16 percent less likely to lose their babies Mm. 19 percent less likely to lose their babies before 24 weeks Mm -hmm. um 15 percent less likely to use pain relief during their labor and birth Mm -hmm. 24 percent less likely to have a preterm baby Uh, 16% less likely to receive an episiotomy, which is the cut that is sometimes done when babies are being born. Mm -hmm. Women report um, higher satisfaction with their care that they receive. They're more more likely to have a normal vaginal birth. They're more likely to breastfeed for longer. Wow. Um, But also midwives are usually more satisfied as well with the care that they provide because Mm -hmm. especially um through the university system now it is the model of care that we are trained to provide um so better job retention for midwives as well and it's cost effective yeah Um, women are less likely to have hospital presentations or admissions to hospital or stay in hospital as long um as women who don't have a known midwife wow and is that just because like if if you had a concern as a pregnant mom you would come over and suss it out and perhaps sort something out before it needs to get to the point of going to a tertiary kind of institution yeah so um like i said before women have 24 7 access to a midwife Mm -hmm. so they have um their first known midwife but then um if that midwife is 
um, unavailable, we do have some days off sometimes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, then they will be able to contact other midwives mm-hmm. within that um, within that pair or w- within that team as well. Right. So um, we do have like text messages, is this normal? I'm experiencing this. And yeah. we'll usually go and see women um, at home or um, like they'll just drop in and yeah. have like a quick visit at the yeah. hospital um, yeah. with us yeah. instead of an admission. That's lovely. How nice. Obviously dependent on what is going on. Yeah. And so it's not overly common now. Hey, like we're pretty lucky here to have this in this town, like the midwife group practice kind of set up. Yeah. So um, I I actually, it's actually difficult to find exact statistics on this. The last thing I saw released was, um, it was maybe even a few years ago and it was that only 8% of women in Australia were receiving um, continuity of care from a known midwife through the hospital system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think with all the hype about it and all the research that comes out, that has been coming out supporting it, um, those numbers are growing. Yeah. So I think Queensland in general is actually doing quite well mm-hmm. because most of the continuity of care options are in cities in like big metropolitan hospitals Mm -hmm. but Queensland has actually done pretty well at implementing them in rural and remote areas as well Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure of the exact numbers of um, women in Mount Isa who are receiving continuity of care Mm -hmm. um, at the moment but it's definitely above the average awesome yeah Yeah. so in Mount Isa we also have a high indigenous population when I looked like our actual population is it 16 percent and then the percentage of babies being born out of all babies born. Do you know the stats at all of like how many? Maybe around 28%. 28%. Okay. Yeah. And are those women able to access, are they um, incorporated into midwife group practice as well? Or yeah. Yeah. you still, yep. Cool. So, um, because why I bring it up is indigenous women are more likely to have stillbirth and have prematurity and all of those things. So I'm thinking this is. Like yeah. So just in general, um, like indigenous women do have and their babies have poorer outcomes than non-indigenous women Mm -hmm. um and a lot of the outcomes are really around um the sorts of things that midwifery continuity of care does um help to reduce so Mm -hmm. losing their baby and preterm birth um um, rates of smoking as well Mm -hmm. um and breastfeeding yeah so in Mount Isa because we do have quite a like larger indigenous population Mm -hmm. those women are of course included um in the midwifery group practice as well we do have a lot of women who come to birth at mount isa from um the communities surrounding us Mm -hmm. so concurry as well do have um their own midwife there so they um the women there are cared for by that midwife and then they come to mount isa to birth and then they're cared for again by the same midwife when they go home okay um There are some midwives as well who are known as outreach midwives. So they um, work from the hospital, but they go out to the communities and they have their own caseload of women there as well. And then um, if they're in Mount Isa, they look after them during their births as well. Yeah, nice. Um, But even the midwives who work out of the hospital in Mount Isa, um, the group practice midwives, we do um, have a caseload of Indigenous women as well. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, when you were reading out the benefits of it before, I thought, well, this is, yeah, a perfect fit for especially a population of women who do face those things at a higher rate than non-Indigenous. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's about engaging with care as well. So Mm -hmm. we do um, have some issues with um, 
Indigenous women not necessarily engaging in care early enough in their pregnancies or um, like attending appointments and things like that. But when you've built up a relationship with a woman Mm -hmm. and you know her other children and she's um, happy for you to come and see her at home or she's happy to come and see you at the hospital, Mm -hmm. then those women receive more care as well. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, I I looked after one woman, she was having like her seventh baby and this baby was a kilo heavier than all her other babies. And not because she had gestational diabetes or anything like that. It's just because we're able to keep her healthy, healthy, like during this pregnancy. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And birth weight really matters as well. Like it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's not just about the pregnancy and birth. It really does help to, um, improve these babies health, um, like lifelong health as well, especially if we can Mm -hmm. encourage breastfeeding and, um, like prolong how long they breastfeed for as well it has even greater benefits for indigenous communities yeah that's amazing um i don't know if you want to touch on it but when it comes to vaginal and birth and breastfeeding those things are like hot topics sometimes and i feel very like scared sometimes even talk about it because some people think if you're just advocating for breastfeeding that must mean you hate formula which isn't the case but there is this fascinating, and I'm sure you told me about it as well, um, the microbirth documentary yeah, that I just yeah. love. And I think if you're somebody who's like, what's the big go with breastfeeding and like why he's all obsessed with babies coming out of her vagina, that is a fantastic documentary to watch, microbirth. And they have like free like resources as well. And it's all about like... And bacteria. online courses as well. So yeah. I've, I've done all of them. I'm awesome. obsessed. I, I honestly <laughs> think that microbirth should be shown on like normal TV so everyone can be exposed to it. It should yeah. be shown in schools as it's well. It's about human life and we're all humans. Like, yeah, you're so right. I feel like this is another like whole massive like podcast, but <laughs> yeah, um, we can just yeah it's it. pretty much like to break it down. We are all made of bacteria. Um, mm-hmm. We actually have more bacteria in and on our bodies than we do human cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're starting to like learn the benefits of that bacteria and the benefits of why it needs to be at a certain balance. Mm-hmm. Um, it has implications on our mental health on our physical health um Mm -hmm. and bacteria's like birth and pregnancy and breastfeeding are really um important times because they lay down the right bacteria in babies' bodies so you're trying to avoid um long-term health implications so even um like things in regards to like allergies and obesity and diabetes and mental health issues actually stem down to um our back balance of bacteria mm-hmm. and um yeah yeah it's about like, i remember like them teaching about your breast milk has microbiome stuff or bacteria or whatever in it it's that alive. matches <laughs> breast milk is alive yeah pretty much. and yeah. it like matches your baby's gut yeah like so when you feed your baby the right bacteria is being fed by the right whatever and mm. yeah i'm not articulate at, a, at all but anybody <laughs> so can watch that little free especially lines. in colostrum yeah. which is the um the milk that is there in the first few days of, um after birth mm-hmm. it's got sugars in it that are indigestible to humans and they're actually there to feed the right bacteria in the baby's gut um in order to make them healthy um wow and yeah and that's where also breastfeeding like and i know people can have like a c-section at 37 weeks no pre-labor and breastfeed fine but this is where i feel like that hormonal gap that sarah buckley talks Mm. about is so important like if you want to get breastfeeding off to the right start if if those things do become important to you um, like that's where a, a nice 
birth that goes as easy as possible makes it easier on breastfeeding makes it easier on your baby's health it's just like goes on and on and on yeah. <laughs> like it all starts so your from, you know, your birth. labor hormones flow on to like and are important um for your breastfeeding hormones mm-hmm. so the hormone oxytocin which is like the love hormone as well it's the hormone that causes contractions mm-hmm. um is also really important for your milk letdown yeah right um so if you're interfering with the hormonal process of birth you're also interfering with the hormonal process of bonding with your baby as well and breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and that's um what we really need to start talking about because when women are being booked in for inductions especially like like they are being explained like oh it's just you know it's the same hormone that um causes your contractions like it's Mm. um we just give you a synthetic version of that and Mm. um like that's kind of the end of the the discussion Mm. when really we're not talking about how that's interrupting with those um other important hormonal like flows as well so um they're starting to do more research around it now which i think is really great but the the link between induction of labor and postnatal depression Mm. so um suicide is the highest our highest maternal mortality cause Mm. in australia Mm -hmm. um and we do have really high rates of postnatal depression i think they're around 30 percent or so Mm -hmm. um and we need to put more focus and emphasis on um, why this is. Yeah. We want women to be as well as possible mm-hmm. because they need to look after their babies. They're raising the next generation yeah. for the country. And even that, like, also we've been looking at that postnatal depression has implications on um, that baby's development as well. If women mm-hmm. aren't interacting with their babies, then that's yeah. not how, like, that's how they learn, like, yeah. to, like, talk and their brain development and all these sorts of things so mm-hmm. when women have postnatal depression they're not necessarily as interactive with their babies and things yeah. like that so mm-hmm. these things these interventions as amazing as they are when we need them to be yeah. there when the benefit is for a baby mm-hmm. and a, a mother to be well but yeah. if it, we're just doing it for the sake of it um yeah. we really need to look at the bigger picture yeah absolutely it's so important it's just like it, the way it's presented is like, oh, your baby has um, low blood sugar or your baby's not feeding well at the breast. So let's let's just give a bottle of formula, yeah. you know, just for this feed. Yeah. But really, it actually does yeah. like, intervene. And it's not at all like if that's your choice and that's what you want to do, mm-hmm. I like not that, here not to, <laughs> to pass judgment like, at all. But yeah. really, how informed are you? Yeah. Have you actually made a truly informed decision? Yeah. Yeah. And if there is fears there or um, past things happening, like helping that mother work through those issues to perhaps like she's already cut herself off like i'm not doing that because i can't Mm. but maybe maybe you can with the right support but um but then you don't want to be pressuring mums and all of this stuff comes into it yeah but even things like women like maybe with their first baby like women had a really really hard time breastfeeding Mm. but um or like oh i couldn't breastfeed like my baby wouldn't latch or i didn't make enough milk and these are really really common like reasons why women don't breastfeed Mm -hmm. when it's actually a lack of support and a lack of proper information. Um, And maybe that they didn't, they had these interventions, um, Mm -hmm. but they didn't understand that it would have implications on this as well. Not to say that if you have a cesarean or if you're Mm. induced that you um, won't be able to breastfeed. It's not that at all. It's just, um, it might, you might have a few extra challenges or your milk might take a day or two extra Mm -hmm. to come in. And that is normal for your situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially for the mums that are hellbent and they really, really want to do it. Like, cause you meet women who from a little girl, they're like, I just want to have um, a pain-free, you know, medication-free labor. I just want to do it. They've got that drive in them. They want to breastfeed no matter what. And it's just crushing when those people are just railroaded so quickly. Mm. It's a different story when it's somebody onto their fifth kid and they're like, nah, I'm not having a bar of, <laughs> I'm not breastfeeding. I know, I know what works like, for me wanna... and that's fine. Yeah, like that's cool. Because also it's... like a healthy mum and a happy mum yes. is like, 
that is like the most important thing that is like the foundation of what everything else is built upon so if like breastfeeding is not working for you and it's making you stressed and it's making you unhappy and you're not enjoying looking after Mm -hmm. your baby then maybe that's fine it's not the right thing for you to do you need to do what works for you and your baby and your family I think at the moment as well like we do have a lot of breastfeeding resources around Mm -hmm. um the Australian Breastfeeding Association is a absolutely fantastic one Mm -hmm. um I think it's really important actually to be Educate yourself around breastfeeding before you have a baby. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. when you're sleep deprived and you're tired and you've mm-hmm. got you're holding this baby, it's it's harder to learn something then. Yeah. Like you need to have an awareness of it. And we've lost uh-huh. that. We don't have that community of women yeah. breastfeeding around each other anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Bre- Australian Breastfeeding Association, um, they have a lot of videos. So I direct yeah. women to YouTube cool. all the time. Awesome. Watch videos of women YouTubing. Yeah. Um, sorry, Breastfe- <laughs> women breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. Like watch videos of women latching their babies on what a good latch looks like and things like that um australian breastfeeding association have a 24-hour hotline that you can call Mm -hmm. anytime and they're all like um mothers who have been trained to be counselors as well in breastfeeding so Mm -hmm. they can give you a hand if you go onto their website you type in any breastfeeding issue that you have and there will be a fact page on it um and just for like my personal experience with my first baby um like i didn't have too much people in my life with breastfeeding knowledge all I did was go on their website. I didn't have really, I didn't really use Facebook at that point. There was no groups, nothing like that. And all I did was the Australian Breastfeeding Association. And I had read previous information, the Tizzy Hall book, which has incredibly terrible information on breastfeeding. If you want to breastfeed, you're not going to do it with totally incorrect. unless you're a cow, like a milk cow. Um, but yes, yeah, so I had read her. I had it in place, like when this baby's born, I'm going to start a routine immediately and all of this stuff. And then I remember reading the ABA stuff and I was like, well, how can you breastfeed if you're not feeding on demand like a baby when it cries? And I found the ABA that did it. And I was able to breastfeed and there was issues, but they were sorted out quickly with that information from that website. And I didn't watch the videos, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was amazing. It's just, just about like um, getting the support and the advice that's actually helpful for you um we do have a lactation consultant working in the community at the moment um from maternal child health and they do have a drop-in um day i think yeah yeah i'll put the time and dates now i think it's on wednesday mornings from around nine till twelve um but yeah women really should utilize these sorts of things but this is why it's amazing to have your own known midwife who looks after you for six weeks after you've had your baby. Yeah. Because if you're having issues feeding your baby, your mm-hmm. midwife will be there. Yeah. I spent hours and hours and hours at women's houses yeah. with like, so nice. with like trying to help, like sort out um, issues that they're having. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of the time they were caused from the start, yeah. like from their, like what happened during their birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those first few days are so important yeah. to have the support there and get things off to like a good start and then you don't tend to come up yeah. across things later on then. Yeah. It's harder to fix breastfeeding problems at like a week old or supply issues and stuff like that when really we should be getting in there straight away. And yeah. Yeah. Like avoiding them happening in the first yeah, place. Absolutely. Oh, nice. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this little podcast. My pleasure. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's been we so fun. sort of got off track a little bit. But. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> it's cool. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. What an asset um, midwife group practices and midwives like you are to our community. So thank you. No, it's a beautiful community. I'm glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, nice. The only thing I'm saying at the end of Sarah's episode is just reminding you all about that resource called Microbirth. 
Um, if you go to microbirth.com, you will see all the resources there. They've got the film you can watch, the documentary, for about $8. Um, there is their book and there is the online courses. Sarah's done all the online courses. You can pay to do them and you can get CPD points as well through the Australian College of Midwives. Um, I did the free ones that were available and they were awesome. Don't think if you're not a health professional, that's not your business. You shouldn't learn about that or you wouldn't get it. You really will. It's really um, easily explained and it's just fascinating information. The um, lady that done it, because it does talk about vaginal um, vaginal birth and breastfeeding, but don't be off-putted um, if that's not what you're doing or that's not what happened. It, the woman that has spearheaded all of this and is managing all of this, she had a C-section herself and she formula fed her baby. So it is um, sensitive to that as well. So the little thingy on here, it says, Microbirth is a multi-award-winning documentary exploring the latest science about the seeding and feeding of a baby's microbiome during pregnancy, birth and breastfeeding. The film features scientists behind the groundbreaking research that reveals the critical role of mother's microbes for optimal training of the infant immune system and lifelong health. So yeah, it's so cool. The film is awesome. Like just download it and watch it with your partner or whatever so they can be on board too and you know, whatever. Okay, so that's all. Thank you.